Welcome to episode three of Passionate Curiosity. First, I'd like to thank anyone who is out there listening. It means a lot to me to have any type of audience. One is greater than zero, so it's great to have someone out there who's interested in whatever I may be talking about. But on this episode, I have a very special guest. Her name is Alexandra Martinez, and you are actually my first interview. Cool. Am I your first podcast? Yes. So we have... The first all around. Exactly. I'm glad I have your virginity card on (laughs) podcasts. But she's known as Tipsy Soul on Instagram and on all of the internets out there, I believe. On Twitter, too. You're on Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead and follow her at Tipsy Soul. Uh, Her specialty is travel. We went to college together. Yeah. And we actually didn't... Speak much in college. <laughs> I know. Like, we were laughing about, the, we had a conversation last week, and we were talking about how it was so weird how we've never really connected in college, but then all of a sudden we Afterwards. were able to talk oh, about yeah. everything, so that's awesome. But why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, and- totally. So, hey guys, I'm Alex, or Tipsy Soul, and yes, I am a fellow alum of Rollins, that's how Kristen and I met, and we were both singing in the in the vocal department, studying music and conducting and have just kind of reconnected after school and was really excited to hear about her doing this podcast and going to get started up with talking about people with their creative passions or things that they're really interested in and having those people talk about what they're curious about and their curiosity. So today we're going to talk a little bit about what I'm passionate about, which is traveling. And so for the past three and a half years, I've been backpacking and living abroad and just kind of doing really various jobs to enable traveling through working and also some volunteering and ways to explore the world while on a backpacking budget or working your way and kind of thinking outside of the box being a millennial and like U.S. society and it wasn't really for me to go get the perfect internship after graduating and the corporate job and I could never really stay still in like a office setting. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's been a little bit of an adventurous journey I've had since our time together in undergrad and kind of something I don't want to stop doing yet and continue to learn from and experience by seeing the world and how to do that, you know, on a budget. And there's there's tough things that you leave behind sometimes when you leave, whether it's having a long distance relationship or family or a pet. Mm-hmm. But I think that seeing the world is really important for young people to do because it pushes you out of your comfort zone. And that's when I think that we learn the most. I think so too. Yeah. And you started, so let's go back to graduation. Yep. So we both went to Rollins College, majoring in music, and we both right after, it was for you right after college, went to New York. Yes. So what happened there? Yeah, so interesting enough. I actually went to, I moved to New York City and I started working for New York City Opera Company and wanted to keep music in my life, um, being as, you know, my first passion, but tried to kind of stay out of the spotlight and work um, behind the scenes on productions and doing personal assistant stuff for the general director of, of NICO and was really obviously still passionate about music, but finding myself quite discouraged, stuck in the city and in an office job, pretty much. Even though it had to do with music and was kind of part of the classical music industry, I kind of had this relapse of thinking, should I be pursuing performing? Should I be working here in the office? Should I be doing the backstage lighting and putting the tape on the ground? Or, you know, trying out for the choir? And it was a little bit of a dizzying experience to have myself working in music and not performing, which was a huge change for me 
um, mm-hmm. as I was kind of facing my quarter life crisis, still currently facing that. <laughs> and yeah, so I decided um, New York wasn't for me, wasn't the right time to make it work out. And then after that, I had a friend who also went to Rollins with us. Her name's Jessica. She contacted me to see if I wanted to work in Paris, France for a year as a au pair and English tutor. So after I went to New York and didn't really work out and discovered I, you know, want to travel a little bit more and maybe do something not in an office setting, something a little bit more creative, I wound up moving to Paris and teaching English to four amazing young children. And yeah, this was a really cool growing experience for me. I didn't study any type of education. It was kind of a whim of a job and something to try. And I more so was doing it Obviously, so I could be able to move to Europe and have experience to travel and the time off. Very interesting in France, their school um, structure is much different than ours. They go to school full year long, but they have two-week vacations every six to seven weeks. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, and so for me, that was like paid vacation time. Yeah, So every month and a half, I could take two weeks off to backpack. And it was kind of a better way to have structure within my travel because before then, I also was backpacking in Vienna and volunteering with Syrian refugees, and it was great, but I had no job during that travel. It was just purely leisure backpacking, and if I really want to commit to a lifestyle of this, I have to have some type of income while I'm abroad, Mm -hmm. or some type of visa when you're abroad, because you can't stay in the EU for more than three months without a visa in the mm-hmm. Schengen zone region. So moving to France and having that experience was completely different. And, and exposing yourself to the complications of traveling, yes. but also trying to find your career and just totally. being in that transition. Having that year was good for me to think, okay, let me put myself here, settle down for a bit. I can still travel, but what do I really want from life? What do I really want to right. be doing? What am I really passionate about within traveling as a huge idiom? Mm-hmm. And from that, I discovered that I was really um, into and involved with like humanitarian assistance and refugee relief and foreign policy and actually my employer that I worked for there she did the campaign marketing for the current president of France Macron so the whole entire year of his election year I was exposed to French politics and how their parties work and really discovered how much I love foreign policy and I wish that I maybe would have minored in that here Mm. and international relations. So moving forward from that, I decided to apply to grad school and thought, all right, maybe I can do this. Let me go back to school. I've had my year abroad. Let me go settle down and... I wound up getting to NYU and this small school in Rhode Island. And Mm -hmm. to be completely honest, I went. I had my first week of school and kind of freaked out that I was going to be in the same place for two years and really nervous about taking out student loans. Yes. Super commitment to mastering something. Huge. And this was also very new for me. You know, I've grown up studying music and then the past two years I really like international relations and and foreign Mm -hmm. policy but is it enough to put myself in the student loan debt to pursue that especially when the goal is to work in humanitarian assistance and people Mm -hmm. that are you know maybe working for the Red Cross or the UN they're getting paid oh sure of course vice presidents and high up but basically within those nonprofits and grassroots organizations a lot of people are doing it for the right real reason which is volunteering they're not trying to make that aid a career. A career They're doing right. it because it's the right thing to do for humans. Right. So I kind of took a few steps back and thought, um, you know what, let me take a break. I don't think I'm ready to be here for two years 
and I'm certainly not ready to take out the money to make this happen if I know that I can't make it back and break even within a career like this. And the educational system right now, like today, I think it's just absolute garbage. I think, well, we both kind of attest to the same. It's so weird how we kind of have the same story. For those that don't know me, I graduated a year after Alex, but I ended up going to New York, and I can definitely attest New York is just, it's a tough city. Especially if you're a musician, especially if you're a singer, I feel like musicians can gig, they can play. But singers really have it tough because you you have your instrument and you identify with it so much. Yes, your body. So when you're rejected, you feel it ten times worse. And I was working at a restaurant and I was just auditioning. And the only thing I got called back for, the only thing I got cast in was a pay-to-perform program, which is... They don't even pay you. You have they, to pay. You have to pay like yeah. a 500 or you have to sell tickets. And it's like at that point, you're like, okay, is this even a career or is it a hobby? I had a lot of moments of internalizing what exactly I wanted to do. Yep. And I felt like I wasn't helping anyone. I wasn't even helping myself at that point. And it felt kind of selfish. It felt like a waste of my time. Mm-hmm. And, and so I auditioned for grad schools in hopes to get into programs for performing I got into NYU, just like you did. Sweet. Um, but for different things, because you said you did the international affairs, and uh, the financial aid package from NYU was absolutely horrible. Garbage. They said they actually had no scholarships at all, which is unbelievable to me for a school of that prestige. So yeah. I just decided, you know what, I'm going to take some time and come back home to Orlando and use my resources and kind of... Regather. Right. And I feel like so many musicians, such as us, that you know, are very talented people that graduate school about to really try and go into the world, make it their career, face this decision of, I've loved this my whole life, but Mm -hmm. am I going to really try and do this? Something I'm okay with admitting to myself and my teachers and my family, obviously it was very hard to say, hey, I don't want to pursue music. Mm -hmm. I was doing it for other people. And Mm -hmm. that's that's not enough to keep me from not burning out and taking yeah. out the money and going to pursue the education and all those auditions. And it's such, honestly, a shitty time. Can I say that? Yeah. Shitty. Okay. <laughs> it's honestly <laughs> such a, a shitty time to be alive for young millennial musicians. I mean, anyone in any career, like you apply for the jobs out of school and they all want you to have like five years experience. Yeah. Yeah. post-college you're like how do I get the experience without the experience you right. know well it's such a crappy time for anyone who's going through the whole college traditional route yes but then I look at you know social media and the the new rise of everything even things like this with podcasts and voice and yeah. just like the rise of what's coming I feel like it's so easy now to expose yourself So I kind of felt like, why invest in basically buying into a lie when I can just kind of put myself, if I really wanted to do the performance tract. Study on yourself, like practice, do a private teacher. Put myself in a library and then... I know myself all the time. You know, maybe do a manager. Yeah, and I feel like we did get a pretty good like musical education at Rollins right? and yeah. our background and different things just between well, theory. We were spoiled at We Rollins. were very spoiled. <laughs> it was yeah. the whole like a uh, big fish in a small pond totally. kind of thing. And that doesn't discredit our talents at all. We're both no. very talented. But it's kind of more, there was a lot of moments in my year after college where I was like, did people just lie to me about the reality of what this really is or why didn't they tell me or it was a lot of the blame game but yes eventually you had to do your own research and then kind of 
gather your own journey from there. So Yeah, and I feel like we've kind of done a good job of taking the time that we had post-graduation to harvest the knowledge and passion within ourselves to make right. sure this is what we want to pursue and maybe there's different outlets, you know, like right. how we were talking about how cool music therapy is and mm-hmm. ethnomusicology and being a part of the music world and, yeah. you know, changing up. Like we are very talented and, and intellectual musicians and can have a lot to offer. For example, myself, I would love to still have music in my life where maybe I'm having a choir in a refugee camp of children mm-hmm. and directing music awesome. or giving voice lessons or drum circles and not, I don't need to be in the spotlight, you yeah. know, and I feel like right. we have this soprano syndrome, uh-huh. especially growing <laughs> up, like being talented, going to school. Mm-hmm. And then once you get out there in the real world, it's like, damn, I have a lot of doubt. Uh-huh. And we yeah. were the big fish in the little pond. And sometimes that happens at a small school or especially conservatories. And so now we're, we've taken the time, we've done our things, we're both exploring, like, obviously going back to grad school, and right. now I've, like, changed my mind on what that's for, and music will be a big part of our lives, of course, but there's, there's other there's outlets, no and there's yeah. totally more creative paths to get mm-hmm. to where we need to be to, to be successful. For sure, for sure. I actually, it's funny, I wanted to ask you this last week, like, what if we started a young artist program? Like, what if we did our own kind of thing? And that, that involves both travel and our creative outlet. Of, oh, yeah. And our experience just with music, but we can kind of take it. I feel like a lot of young artist programs are kind of very serious and strategic, and maybe we can do it more of like a creative thing, and people feel like they can express themselves a little bit more. Yes. But I think like that's maybe. A, the really cool idea. Kind of the lost musicians that yeah, are the, or the facing this. Too. Right. Yeah. The ones in transition between I just graduated or I'm going to grad school or I don't know if I should pursue this and I like to travel but I like to create. That's, you know, the quandary of my life that I've been facing the past few years. Yeah, so yeah, me too. I think that would be very helpful for people and even having like a podcast like this to have a meaningful dialogue about it and to show people hey, we're all young, we are not alone, we're all confused, we're all broke, like, starving artists, and yeah, many of us are talented, and it's really hard. In many different areas, too. And different areas, and split interests and passions, you know, Mm -hmm. committing to a life of music as a professional opera singer, sure, of course you'd be able to travel, but Mm -hmm. if you really took it seriously, you probably wouldn't even have ice cubes in your water, you know, there's like, because our instrument is our body, Mm-hmm. So yeah, we gotta kind so, of shift the paradigm. Yeah, coming to a, a city near you, basically. Yeah, coming <laughs> to a city near Tipsy you. Tipsy Soda Voce, <laughs> the Young Artist Program. <laughs> totally. It's gonna happen. Um, so what was one of the most craziest travel experiences, or like the craziest story that you can pull from yeah. your travel experience abroad? I was actually thinking about this yesterday, talking to a friend, and there was one time I was camping in the Sahara Desert in Morocco and the sun rises at like 4 30 in the morning there because wow. <laughs> it's in the desert or about five almost and I woke up it was freezing cold maybe 40 degrees and went outside and saw the sun rising over the sand dunes it was beautiful mm. and I'm just chilling up there like no one from my group is out they're all still sleeping and I just see the circle of camels next to us we're a few miles into the desert and a few sand dunes over is a very small, I won't even call it a village, it was maybe like five hut tents of some Berber nomads, people that lived out there, that were the camel herders' families. Mm-hmm. So this little girl, maybe like 
five years old comes up to me like on top of the sand dune and is waving at me and I'm like you know hi and she starts walking over to me and like playing with my hair and stuff and we're having a a genuine bonding moment and she starts walking and showing me with her hands to follow her over the sand dune and I see she wants to show me her little you know village Mm -hmm. so I go down with her and I meet her mother outside of her tent totally Berber woman I tried to speak Arabic with her but they don't even know Arabic, like, in the desert because it's their oh, own wow. dialect. So, so, kind of... Yeah. So, of course, she saw, like I said, like, hello, you know, like, God bless you. And the woman takes me by the arm inside of her tent, and she starts pointing at her pots and pans. She had, like, maybe three copper pans in her tent. Wow. And I think she was showing me, like, her nicest things, mm. her medals, because there was nothing in there. Like, wow. literally nothing. And it was just me seeing someone's home and what they're proud of in such immense poverty living their out there. reality. Like, that's their reality. She was like, look at my pots, you know? And I'm wow. like, wow, yeah, they're beautiful. <laughs> um, and so she gave me the tiniest bowl with this clear broth and, like, a few looking like ramen noodles mm-hmm. and a spoon and just gave me breakfast. And so the little girl, the mom, and I sat in this tent and shared the soup together. And literally, after we said hello in Arabic, there was not a word exchanged. It was all just, like, smile and sign language and the girls braiding my hair. And we keep smiling. The mom and I are looking at each other like, I don't know this woman. And she doesn't know me. But she wanted to show me her tent (laughs) and feed me soup. It was just the best travel experience I can think of because, one... It was incredibly humbling Mm -hmm. to be out there in the middle of nowhere and see this woman and her daughter. Two, for her to give me something, like the only thing she had in there, some soup. Her excitement for it. It wasn't even like she was holding back. No, she She was like, please, like, you know, grabbing me with her arm, like, come in, have soup. Mm -hmm. And then the comfortability in the silence. It was Mm -hmm. just like three different age, you know, generations of women. Yeah. Having a bowl of soup together, not speaking, smiling, mm-hmm. the sun is rising, and it made me feel so incredibly small that I had that experience with someone I would have never met, you know? Right, yeah. Who probably, yeah. perhaps, maybe won't even leave that desert. Yeah. Truly. So that's one of my favorite experiences that I, I really want to take that to my, to my deathbed. That's awesome. Um, the different ages and the yes. different cultures and the fact that it's all females, like, I yes. think that's such a special... Yeah, I wouldn't have followed a child into, like, a man's tent in right. the desert. especially yeah. there. Of yeah. course, like, in the middle of nowhere. Um, right. So, but since it was just a, a mother, hijab? I had a hijab okay. on. So she, I, I think she liked me because I was respecting the culture, even though she knew I was a foreigner. Right. Right. And then by the time I walked over three sand dudes back to my camp... All my friends were like, yo, where were you? And I was like, you won't believe it. I just had dinner with the nomads. Or, I'm sorry, breakfast. They were like, you would. <laughs> so That's kind of like something that happened to me when I was in Bavaria. Actually, you went on this program, too. It's called Music Theater Bavaria. Yes. Um, I studied opera there on scholarship. And I went off into the Bavarian Alps. Mm-hmm. And I went by myself. I went for a hike, and I'm wearing Skechers, don't even have hiking boots, which I do not recommend hiking in Skechers. I was sliding everywhere. I'm afraid of heights. Yep. So, very stupid, but very, very interesting moment, because here I am, I'm walking, and I'm, I'm very lost at this point, and I see a bunch of hikers, and I'm like, oh, well, maybe they can help me. Maybe someone has to speak English. English. So, I see that they're climbing up higher. And I'm like, okay, so it's either I try to find my way down by myself, 
or go up or I go up higher as crazy scared of heights as I am but it's either go up with complete strangers who know what they're doing or go down by myself so I decided to follow them and you know they're just walking like like they've been doing this their whole lives they've been living there and I'm crawling at this point because the higher I go the more scared I am I'm shaking and then I finally reach them and I'm like does anyone here speak English (laughs) and they're like yes and you know it's all broken English from them but I'm like okay I'm lost (laughs) and they're like well where are you coming from and I'm like I've been here for about 40 minutes just walking on my own and they're like, well, we can take you back down, but we're going into a cave first. Awesome. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so anyone else would have been terrified to go into yeah, a, with a random cave. Yeah, mm-hmm. with strangers who barely speak the same language as you. But I was just so excited because I went from being hopeless and alone yeah, to, to finding people. Yeah, like and, the, the human connection. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, you could come in with us. And they ended up taking me into this deep cave and it was awesome yeah it was an incredible you always have to obviously like be safe and you know aware of your surroundings trust your instincts and you know like there are good people there are obviously good and bad people in the world but whether it's german hikers or a little girl five-year-old in the desert of morocco like there is something about the human connection that you can sometimes only find like within those traveling experiences that makes you they're unmatched because now it's a memory you'll have forever and it's kind of a a trust and faith in like humanity when you're like yeah. remember that one moment with that stranger and we had that experience right. that I'll remember forever <laughs> exactly. you know so yeah definitely so which country to you has the best food like if i were traveling yeah. to go just for food what would you recommend i would say i would say portugal 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 but i love seafood so okay they're, they have a lot of good food there, a lot of rich cuisine. Um, my favorite thing that they have is bacalao, mm. which is like smoked cod yeah, with like yeah. some cream and cheese. Yeah, and I grew up on Oh, yeah. So the <laughs> bacalao. So. Yep. And then they're also known for their wine from Porto region, port wine. And um, similar to Spain where they have the tapas culture and sangria and they eat very late and very small portions, but like of a lot of stuff. And then they have these amazing, like, pastel, I don't even know how to say it, but they're really good pastries that is, it's kind of like a mini phyllo dough creme like brulee. The, the moon-shaped one or no? Yes, they have oh, that okay. too. So those are amazing. But Portugal, I've never ate so good in any country. And for mm-hmm. anyone, random tip that goes to Lisbon, they have something called the Time Out Lisbon Food Market, mm-hmm. and it's indoors and kind of this big warehouse, and there are all these different small food stands. And inside of all different things, I had a hot dog bun, but instead of a hot dog, it was a full-blown, like, charcoal octopus tentacle. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it looked like I was wow. eating, like, a tentacle in a hot dog bun with spicy mayo, and it was amazing. I hate, that's the only food I don't eat is hot dogs. Yeah, but me too. But that sounds awesome. That, that's why I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I don't trust the meat here in yeah. America, no. but. <laughs> so, yeah, Portugal, definitely for the best okay, food. that's good to know. Yeah. Okay, as someone who has spent long periods of time in different countries and around different cultures and people, were there, I know that you mentioned that you were exposed to French politics because you lived in France for a year, but were there any countries that you really felt the weight of the government really on its society or um, just kind of in the people around you? um, Which countries and talk a little about that? I think 
where I have seen the government infiltrate the people so much was most in Cuba mm-hmm. because it is a communist country and their regime has been unchanged for the past 60 years almost. Right. And when I went to Cuba, I would obviously I'm very interested in, in politics and ask people that I met in the street or the cafe, you know, once I'm talking to someone like, so tell me how, what's the real deal? You know, mm-hmm. like how many of y'all like, like Castro? Yeah. Well, weren't you there? Wait, did you travel there around the time of I Castro's traveled, passing? Or? Yes. So okay. I traveled there, um, in 2015 in March and it was right before the embargo was lifted by Obama. And so you could still technically only go to Cuba through either research, missionary, or education. And I went with Rollins on a field study mm-hmm. and was asking people in the street, and everyone kind of did the same thing. They would look around over their shoulders, see who's listening, how mm-hmm. many people are around, and then look Our at guard. me with a big smile and say, it's great. You know, mm-hmm. like very fake, very, very like, brainwashed. Mm-hmm. And me going into the streets and the slums and playing like, you know, soccer or football with the kids and us trying to ask them in Spanish, like, what's your favorite country? How many countries are there? Like, you know, basic questions. And mm-hmm. their only response would be like, Che Guevara, Che Guevara. Wow. I like their revolutionary hero. So it was very hard for me, being also 50% Cuban, to go to that country, see my homeland, and see the people that have no access to education from the rest of the world. There are two newspapers in the whole entire country of Havana, completely wow. like, you know, just propaganda. And yeah, like the families get like one inter- one hour of internet like a week. Wow. It's just really, really rough. And I think it was very disheartening for me to see beautiful people, people that I, you know, I'm related to, yeah. um, not know about the rest of the world and just think that this is like all that life has to offer. But that being said, they seemed a whole lot happier than us, mm. which is the caveat. Because no, they didn't know what was going on in the rest of the world. No, they didn't know about other countries. But they had, like, no stress. It was mm-hmm. very... Ignorance is bliss kind ignorance of Ignorance is bliss totally for the younger generation. The older one that lived through the revolution, that mm-hmm. was different. Because they were much more on guard. They knew, like, you know, the Castro regime has, like, spies everywhere in Havana. So mm-hmm. if, if someone went up against it, they, you know... Is if it wasn't in the city of Havana, but right outside of it in the suburbs or slums, they could probably get like shot in a field. Wow. So Cuba for sure affected by its politics the most. I've also backpacked in Turkey in Istanbul, and when I got there, it was in the middle of like their coup happening there. So I showed up to the Adrak airport, and I was there one day after a British journalist was murdered in the same bathroom that I was in in the oh. airport. And I saw it on the news the day before I was going and got really nervous, almost didn't even want to go. And I'm there in the airport thinking like, wow, yesterday someone was just hung in this airport. A oh, wow. Really not a good time to go to Turkey. No. But wound up staying there, also there, like a lot of political problems, dangerous place to be, everyone in the, in the street with machine guns and the guards. And in Turkey, it's actually, if I'm bold enough to say, like the people are who you can trust, the government is who you can't trust. Yeah. Yeah. So... There was also someone that like came into um, a restaurant next to our hostel while we were there and threw acid on a woman's face. Oh my goodness. Yeah, apparently Jeez. for some infidelity. But the problem is like there are so many, there's so much tension between different cultures, whether it's from religion, power, money, 
um, or politics. Right. And I'm the type of person that usually I don't want to not go somewhere because it's sketchy. Mm-hmm. It, obviously, I'm not going to go to, like, Gaza Strip. Right. For right. sure. But Turkey, I thought, oh, you know, maybe I can do Turkey. Mm-hmm. And when I went there and I was in those situations, I realized, okay. This you know, is what it's like. This is the reality. This of is what, what these people is. go through every right. day. And I'm glad that I became aware or even something not as, you know, unsafe and harmless as the people in Cuba and seeing them brainwashed and me realizing how lucky we are as Americans to have access to do our own research, to be mm-hmm. able to use, like, the internet. Right. And for now. To learn. It, for now. Until so it's, like, censored and... Yeah. Yeah. And... I yeah, so I'm, I was going to ask you, like, as a female, and a female who's under 30, like, what do you suggest for other females who are going alone? Uh, the only kind of travel experience I had was when I went to Germany. I yeah. haven't been overseas much at all. But um, what do you suggest, like, going alone and... Um, I know for me, it was, I wish I had studied up on the language before I got there. Totally. Um, that would have saved me a lot of, especially between um, catching flights and yes. and commuting, like definitely would have been better if I yeah. learned the language. What about you? The language, that's a great point. Usually before I go to a country where I don't know a little bit of that language, I will type up like a Word document mm-hmm. that has the main phrases that I need to say. And, like, have the address of, like, my hostel or Airbnb and then just save it and screenshot it on my phone so that I can quickly show people in the street. Um, So that's just a random little tip. But for solo female backpackers, I'm really big about people. I I want people to explore the world. And also Mm -hmm. I'm, like, you know, a feminist and I really believe in equality. And just it sucks that we as women have to be scared. It really does. And it's completely... It's a reality. It's a reality and things happen. Of course things happen to women traveling. But one of the best things I can say is just to follow your instinct. Like we naturally have that sense in our gut to know, I feel like someone's following me or I feel like this man is really making me uncomfortable. And maybe I need to go walk over to this group of tourists over here and say hey can I just stand with you guys for 10 minutes or follow you or obviously if you're staying like in a hostel or a hotel talking to the people in the hotel what is the area I should avoid at night which Mm -hmm. street is unsafe what neighborhood like do your research before your trip on where you're going Mm -hmm. and if it is a place with a lot of upheaval and political strife you just got to be careful also respecting the culture so I'm not a Muslim woman but when I go to different Arabic countries I always cover my hair Mm-hmm. Just and I've had women in Morocco ask me like, "Oh, are you Muslim?" And I say, "No." And they go, "Why are you wearing, you know, the hijab or covering?" And I'm like, "To respect your culture." Right. And they always take it super awesome. Like they're That's like, "Wow, great. thank That's you great. so much." So, you know, my young son doesn't have to stare at your gorgeous mane hair. You know, <laughs> like that's not used to seeing it. So, yeah, respecting the culture, figuring out the dangerous spots in town before you go out and walk around, and. And I know you also have experience in martial arts and self-defense. Yes, totally. That's something as well. That, I mean, I really truly believe that like every woman should take a self-defense class even mm-hmm. just once to learn a few basic moves because it is a reality. Things can happen and you want to be confident while you're exploring but never cocky. Yeah. You know, I never yeah. go out in the street. I'm like, oh, anyone come mess this. with me. Like I'm yeah. going to, you know, beat you to death right. because there are weapons involved. There are bombs involved. I have seen so many scares in Paris on the metro where it's been shut down because someone left a, a suspicious bag mm-hmm. and been evacuated and literally thought at those times, like, is this one of those moments where there's going to be an attack in Paris? Because yeah. I also moved there yeah. after they had like all of their attacks two years ago. Right. And it was funny when my, my parents were like a little bit nervous about me moving there and saying, 
you know, you're going to like a red zone European city for targets and, and refugee strife and attacks and terrorism. And I moved there three months after, at the time, the largest American shooting here in Orlando at Pulse. Mm. So I said, mm-hmm. this this happens anywhere. Yeah. So the, like the moral of all of that that I'm saying is things can happen anywhere. So I don't want to be too scared to explore the world, but right. I definitely need to be smart about it. And now even, like, this past week with the school shooting here in Florida, like, of course, Europe has this this reputation in the past few years with with the influx of refugees coming in, people stressed out, people coming out of their homeland, not speaking the same language, having no money, Mm -hmm. not being handled with care and brought in and helped and accepted, and it obviously causes a lot of shit. But this happens here in our country, too. And any woman... Any woman backpacking, I encourage you, maybe just have a small idea of self-defense. If you can't always have, like, a weapon on you, like, usually in the States I have, like, pepper spray on me or something or, like, a knife in my car. I actually have a bat in my car um, that I've never had to use, thank God. But even having, like, a pencil in your pocket or backpack or your purse, like, this might be morbid. But if someone attacks you, like, pencil to the eyeball. Just trust me. (laughs) So there's ways to protect yourself and I still adventure. I always hold my key kind of the key out. The key yeah. Always. And it really sucks that we have to think about these things when we travel because yeah. we want to travel the world. I want to travel. Am I always going to find the perfect like person to travel with me, a friend or family or boyfriend? No. Sometimes I have to take trips alone. Right. And I, it's something that our society is like shifting to. Younger people, they're traveling more. It's more accessible for us to travel now than the generation before us. So I hope that you guys do travel and and feel confident and excited to see other cultures despite political problems or upheaval in ourselves or not even knowing where we're going in our lives. But I do definitely think that traveling helps you get the answers to the questions that we all kind of face deep down. Definitely. I agree. Well, the last thing I wanted to kind of um, add on to this was I like to end every episode with current obsessions. Mm. So, um, and it's... It's something that Gary Vaynerchuk does on his podcast, but um, it doesn't have to be something like peace, love, and, you know, everyone wants uh, world peace, but it's just something that you're currently obsessed with that is right now, like, winning in your brain, like, Hmm. in your life. What am I thinking about a lot and obsessed? Or that you're discovering right now in your journey. Yeah, let me think. Yeah. The things I've definitely been thinking about most recently is Buenos Aires, Argentina, because I'm going mm-hmm. there next for a month. That's right. Um, yeah, and learning about their culture. I've been really looking up, like, travel vlogs on YouTube. Mm. That's something also, before I go on a trip, I check out vloggers that have traveled there and see their recommendations. I'm also really currently obsessed with a musical artist, Daniel Caesar. I've been doing mm. covers of okay. his song. Super good R&B, hip-hop. And then a kind of sad thing Where I've been... Where's he from? I don't know. I, he might be from the States, I think oh, so. Yeah. Really good. You guys should check him out. Mm-hmm. Favorite song by him is Japanese Denim. Okay. And then another <laughs> thing, unfortunately, that I'm like kind of obsessed about the past few days has been the school shooting. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. actually, Chris and I are both substitute teachers part-time. Yeah. That's yeah. another thing we have in common. Definitely. And something as well that... like. I've literally felt scared walking on campuses, yeah. reviewing the policy to like it's so lock crazy. the door. Like and... the very next day, I substituted at a, a high school, 
And they didn't even have, like, guards out. And it's like, we're the same city. We're yeah. in the same yep. state, same that country. this just happened. Yeah, it just happened the day before, and you would think they would be more on guard. It was just like, I walked in. Obviously, I'm a stranger. I've never been on that campus. Yeah. I'm just a substitute, but they don't know that yet. But it's like, nothing. It's no so questions. so for that no, to happen. Yeah. Yeah, so this has been something really on my mind, definitely obsessed with just watching the videos um, from the shooting that the kids had up and just really trying to get involved and do things. And I wrote letters to the Senate and mm -hmm. the governor and Mark Rubio in Florida. Don't know if it's actually going to help, but I don't like to sit idly it. and do nothing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I have a brother who's still in high school, so it's very, very personal to me. And it's very, it's insane that we're going through that. I agree. And like we were saying before, that's happening in our home state, you yeah, know, and like the here. shooting in our hometown. So a lot of people that judge like the rest of the world for their terrorist attacks, like, I'm sorry, that is a terrorist yeah. attack in our it, country done oh, by one of our own people. Domestic yeah, terrorism. Yeah, domestic terrorism for sure. Yeah. So not everything needs to be this like, you know, transnational crime, like things happen here too. And what's the best way that we can try and get involved and just random how I think we can get involved in this particular situation is by like the voting that's coming up, mm -hmm. really making sure that we vote the right people to remain in office right. and the people vote that smart. want the money, you know, from the NRA or don't really care about changing policies and would rather send their prayers and thoughts instead of action and change. Mm -hmm. That's an opportunity that we will have. And this big movement within the student, like, rise, like, the student uprise of saying, I just saw today on, on April 20th is going to be national, like, walk out of school day. Wow. And any student and teacher, they're getting encouraged to go on strike and leave school and not come back until the laws are changed. Wow. Yeah. So April 20th is going to be that day if you guys want to get involved mm -hmm. and ch check that out and see what more... Um, I can't remember what the campaign is called. I think it might be like walk out of school day. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so it gives time for the legislation to get passed and bills to get moved and things to happen within the next month and a half. And if there's nothing being done by then, there's going to be a huge reform in our country in the education system because there needs to be people from around the country, even different educators, even people that own like assault rifles are coming up and saying, I don't need this. Mm -hmm. I, I'm like a gun owner and I don't need this because, you know, I don't want my child to, ha to have, I don't want to have access to this that's going to walk into a school and shoot up my child. And if you feel like you don't know what to do and you live in Orlando or you live in a place where something like this has happened recently, you can always donate blood. They have the buses now. Yep. They even give you prizes in return, like a movie ticket yeah. or two. Um, but honestly, donate blood. I think you save three lives yeah. every time you donate. So definitely donate anytime something like this happens, Call Get your, like, legislators. Mm -hmm. um, definitely going to, like, a local state level is way better than going up and writing letters to, like, the White House and the Congress. Yeah, but right. Because those are the people it's that direct. really have to read those emails and hear those voicemails. And the more, like, influx that gets into their inbox, the more they're like, okay, people are really trying to shake us off. We have to do something. Yeah, yeah. And even tomorrow, the children, the high school students from the school um, at Douglas, they are doing like a kind of road trip, their school is closed down for the week, but tomorrow they're mm -hmm. driving up to Tallahassee to knock on oh. the door of wow. our, you know, state capitol and to demand action. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff happening, particularly in Florida. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people standing up, and it's just interesting to watch from the media and try and get involved with, and us as substitute teachers, like, mm -hmm. obviously feel passionate about this. So it impacts us directly, for sure. If we were in that 
we don't even have the relationship with the students where they can trust right. us. How awkward and would that be? Like, that you know, position. save their lives and yeah. be like, guys, trust me, it's okay. And they're like, right. we don't know we you. We don't know you. You yeah. can be involved in this yeah. for all we know. So. so it's very important to talk about. I'm glad that we kind of brought it up and went that yeah, direction because like an assault it's... rifle, I personally believe that there, no one needs to own that weapon. That is a weapon for war. Mm-hmm. If you want to have like your own self protection, get a, a handgun. Sure, yeah. and at that, you only actually really need one. Right. You know, people Very like true. the Las Vegas shooter that had over fifteen Insane. different guns. How did how did what the FBI the not be like? Why are you stocking up on all <laughs> these weapons? Yeah. Who are you buying them for? So right, right. We need to ask the questions. We need yes. To- and it's the young people that are driving the change in our nation right now. And with the internet, it's kind of, yeah. there's no escaping that for them. You can't oh, for really, sure. they like can't hide behind anything. Like this. Yeah, like this. People can have conversations. Spotlight. We have the freedom of speech. Put something out there. Whoever's listening, thank you for listening to this. Yeah. And this is how small changes happen, by having meaningful conversations that bring awareness and educate people, and then leave it up to them what they want to do next. But at for least sure. we brought them that knowledge, you right. know? For sure. Well, thank you so much for joining me on Passionate Curiosity. And if you guys aren't already following her, follow her at Tipsy Soul on Instagram. And she has a travel uh, blog and website. Yeah, it's tipsysoul.com. And I'm also on YouTube where you guys can check out my travel vlogs. And on the website, there's different destination articles for different countries. So if anyone's looking to travel, if anyone's interested in sailing, if anyone wants to do au pairing, please check that out and um, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Shoot me yeah, up an email. Sure. So, yeah. And Alex, is she's very beautiful. She takes amazing <laughs> pictures. But one thing that I find amazing about her, too, is that she's willing to put the work in. I think I read something on your website that you were like, I was cleaning up vomit on sailboats just totally. to have the experience yeah. of sailing. And I yeah. think that's, a, I, that's where you and I are very much alike because yeah. we're, we're willing to the do work, the, right. the work for the experience. That's yeah. the exchange kind of there. So anyone who's out there and also passionate or just curious about traveling and how to do that as a career or finding different ways through working or volunteering mm-hmm. or just taking cheap trips, please feel free to contact me, check out my blog, and I hope that I can give you guys some answers and inspiration. All right. Yeah, well, thank, thank you, you so much. And be sure to follow me on Instagram as well. I am at Kristen Soto Voce. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks.